Welcome to the Week 15 Football Outsiders Coach Ranking Show. Ian and Vince here as we are every week. And this week, we'll discuss some of the hot topics from Week 14. The Dolphins struggling offense, the Rams game plan with Baker Mayfield, how the Texans nearly pulled the upset over Dallas, and that fierce Jets defense. Now, starting with the Dolphins, Miami was number one in offensive DVOA with Tua under center. That is until the last two weeks. Over those last two games against San Francisco and Los Angeles, the Chargers, that is, they're just 30th. Vince, what is going on with that Miami Dolphins offense, and how can Mike McDaniels fix that here in a, a really short amount of time coming up on the playoffs? So this is uh, – the real issue is it's, it's two rough games in a row for the Miami Dolphins because they also struggled the week before against San Francisco. Now, the obvious caveat there there is it's San Francisco, and everyone struggles against San Francisco. Uh, the Chargers' loss and their offensive struggles in that game were a lot more surprising. Um, so uh, Cale Clinton wrote about this in, in any given Sunday at Football Outsiders this week, looked over what happened in both of these losses, actually. And from a schematic scheme point uh, or uh, a schematic standpoint, uh, it's pretty simple what the two teams did, the 49ers and Chargers both did. You play press man on the outside, you jam those receivers at the line of scrimmage, and you crowd the middle of uh, the field with as many defenders as you can. And you're essentially then, you're daring Tua Tagovailoa to hit that deep sideline shot and betting he can't do it. And thus far for two games, he has not been able to do it consistently. And uh, I saw some quotes from Mike McDaniel uh, today. He kind of downplayed this. He said those teams didn't do anything anyone else hasn't done. They just played better and we didn't play very well. And it's not going to be an issue going forward. And uh, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure no one in Miami would say it was their best game. Um, but the fact is, if you look at the directional stats, which are available to customers who have a FO Plus subscription, uh, you can get that at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe, uh, view quarterback stats by direction. Tua Tagovailoa throws a higher share of his passes to the middle of the field than anyone else, and he has the best DVOA on those passes than anyone else. So he throws down the middle more than anybody, and he throws down the field better than anybody. So if you're stopping the Miami Dolphins, stopping the middle of the field passes is step one. And that is what the 49ers and Chargers were both able to do. And you mentioned the deep passing for Tua Tagovailoa. That was a big topic in the offseason, or at least deep sideline. In the offseason, the big thing was with him throwing deep. Can he throw deep? He was the best deep ball passer last year. But it was one of those things that was mentioned in that, that chapter of our Football Outsiders Almanac was, is he a really good deep passer or was it just a small sample size? And he's been very good overall deep this year. As you mentioned, they're forcing him to go deep on the sideline, and he's not making a bunch of those throws. Uh, is that, you think, just a simple fix for Tua uh, in the coaching staff, or is that something you don't believe? And maybe this is getting more into subjectivity, but is that something where you don't think he's really capable of making that throw consistently enough? We're still uh, learning about Tagovailoa, and we're still learning about this Dolphins offense. And we, we, we've, you know, we've all seen the highlights. There's been a lot of big plays the Dolphins have had where the receivers were so far behind the defense that the underthrown deep ball was still effective. Um, So it's, it's a fair question. Um, It's, it's a work in progress. We haven't learned everything. You know, I don't, I don't think it's as simple as uh, 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 this one scheme will work every time against Miami. I do think, you know, again, the 49ers stop everybody. So I'm not, I'm not uh, overly concerned about that one. The Chargers have not been that good, uh, uh, that effective um, um, this year. So that's that's more of a concern. But it's more than just two or two because uh, if you know defenses are going to, you know, put that many bodies in the middle of the field, well, maybe let's, let's get a pitch to the outside or let's do a total screen to the outside. There, there's there's holes in that scheme as well beyond just the the, the corner route. Yeah. So um, 
I'm looking at Tiger to it now. He's he's still third in in DVOA when passing to his left, and uh, also uh, where is his right stats? I must have missed just missed here. Third, third left, first middle. There we go. And uh, he's also uh, eighth to the right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Third left, first middle, eighth right. Yes, I have that all correctly. And uh, that was a, that was that was a a live podcasting moment here on the show. Point There's is, a lot of data on that page too, which is which is very good for those of you out there, as Vince mentioned, with an FO Plus subscription, get that. But there's a lot of data on that page. The the point is, he has still been effective when throwing to the outside. It's just not his uh, his uh, ace card, so to speak. Yeah, definitely struggling the last couple of weeks. And you mentioned that Chargers defense. I think when I looked this up for the show with Mike on Monday, our our recap uh, of the weekend action, the Chargers like 24th coming into that game. They were missing Derwin James. They were without – they're still without uh, Joey Bosa. They're without Sebastian Joseph. Those are guys on the line, edge rusher. But Derwin James, safety, they're without a lot of guys. So that makes it kind of even worse for them. They're getting healthy. Uh, could be good for the Chargers. Yeah, the Dolphins uh, got to get get that figured out quickly because they do not have an easy schedule down the stretch, starting out with Buffalo up in Buffalo this weekend. Now, Miss, speaking of the Chargers, going to go on the other side of L.A. or the other team in L.A. and look at – the Rams from last week. Now there were reports swirling around that Baker Mayfield could play some last Thursday, be at least be active after being claimed off waivers on Tuesday. I believe it was, I wasn't really buying it too much. Uh, I know I think a lot of people weren't, but he ended up playing 95% of the offensive snaps at quarterback led the Rams on an historic 98 yard game winning drive. If I remember correctly from Monday, it was the first 98 or the longest touchdown drive that started within the last two minutes of the fourth quarter by a team. So, uh, just unbelievable moment for Baker Mayfield. But what did Sean McVay and company do with that offense that was maybe different from weeks prior uh, or maybe just simpler uh, to make it possible for Mayfield to succeed in such a short period of time with that team? Uh, this is a reminder that while things in L.A. have not gone well for the Rams this year, Sean McVay is still a hell of a football coach. Absolutely. And uh, just – the, the, the way, and obviously, he has walked him through the headset a lot throughout the game. I know Matt, Matthew Stafford is on the headset a lot uh, on that final drive. But the way they could, you know, bring this guy in off the street and uh, with two days' notice, barely uh, have him out there, not just playing an NFL game and not just functioning, uh, but coming out victorious. Yeah. And uh, again, it's not been good this year in Baker Mayfield, as we know. And, and there's a reason Baker Mayfield was available. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of credit goes to them. At the same time, though, I think it's as much what Baker Mayfield brings to the Rams as it was what the Rams did for Baker Mayfield. Because in this one game, he had, between completions and uh, defensive pass interference fouls, he picked up 151 yards on deep balls alone. And that's more yardage on deep balls than John Wolford and Bryce Perkins had in the three games they'd started before he arrived. So... <laughs> And he's, you know, the, the, we saw uh, there, there's a reason the Rams pay such a price to get Matthew Stafford. The the office is much better when you have a guy who can throw the deep ball consistently. And uh, Stafford is better than Mayfield, but Mayfield is better than Wolford and Perkins. So um, it, there's a lot to be decided here in the next month or so. Uh, we're going to see what happens to uh, uh, Mayfield. He's, he's got a lot to play for because his contract expires at the end of the year. He's a free agent. Um, if we don't. Stafford's neck injuries are something to keep an eyeball on, at least. Uh, we don't know exactly what his future holds. Uh, he may, Mayfield may be a guy the Rams want to hang on to uh, as a plan B in case of a worst-case scenario there. Or at the same time, he may play so well down the stretch 
that everyone mm-hmm. takes notes and that says, hey, this guy was a first overall pick just you know half a decade ago. There's there's mm-hmm. there's more to work with there than the guy we currently have. So that that's entirely possible too. Uh, I do think it's important to note, as, as as great a story as this is, I think this is more. This tells us more about the Las Vegas Raiders than it does about the LA Rams. Um, this Raiders team now has lost to a head coach who was a TV announcer six days prior, and now they have lost to a quarterback who was on another team two days prior. Uh, it's the worst pass defense in the league, and Derek Carr was the worst quarterback in, in quick reads this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, as uh, as great as things as Sean McVay might be at his job, I can't say the same about Josh McDaniels or really most of this, the squad there in Las Vegas. Yeah, we've talked about Las Vegas at different times for mostly bad reasons. Uh, had had their fans or gave their fans a little bit of hope the last few weeks with that winning streak, thinking they might be able to get in the playoffs. We never really bought into it. That first team to blow four double digit leads uh, yes. or halftime leads in a season that came from sports ra- sport radar. We're looking at that on Monday. Their data goes back to like 1930 on that. So just really bad uh, all around for the Raiders. We've seen this is kind of. Uh, coming to a head right here again, kind of giving some false hope to their fans and then blowing yeah. this one. Uh, they, excel at, doing well. they excel at turning comfortable wins into heartbreaking yeah. losses. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing that you do not want to see from your team. So a bit of rough go of it. But uh, again, like you said, McVay still a hell of a coach out there in Las, Las, Los Angeles as much, uh, as much flack as he kind of has gotten for this year, the way the team's going, but the injuries uh, out there mounting up as well. But, Mayfield and company getting the win and spirits are high in LA, at least for now with him out there. Moving on though to Texas. Now two teams that played within the state, they're an interstate battle between the Houston Texans and Dallas Cowboys. Houston was the largest underdog of the season opened at 17. I think it was down to like 16 and a half uh, there on Thursday, Friday, and many expected the Cowboys to run away with this game. I know Tom Strachan and I on our fantasy embedding show, which comes out on Thursday and some of those clips come out throughout the weekend. I think we both picked Dallas, just thought they were going to be way too much, especially after what they did against Indianapolis. Uh, kind of a freak fourth quarter there with some turnovers there there in that game uh, and getting out to a 52, 56 points. Didn't expect that again, but definitely expected Dallas to, to win this one comfortably. But the Texans actually led the whole second half until just 41 seconds left when the Cowboys scored the game-winning touchdown. What did you see that Lovey Smith and that Houston Texans staff did? How did they play this game? that allowed them to stay in this one and almost beat that top-ranked Dallas defense. Well, it's funny you mentioned that we expected, well, almost everyone expected the Cowboys to run away with this game. And instead of the Texans, who almost literally ran away with the game, um, 37 runs in this game, and and not for a ton of yardage, but they just kept handing off and plugging away. 37 runs to 27 passes. Um, it helps their play with the lead most of the way, but – uh, using a lot of Jeff Driscoll to come in and run the uh, run the option game or a, a surprise pass for a touchdown in, in scoring range. And watching live, it felt very random which quarterback they were going with when. It, 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 it was hard to find a pattern. It was after the game I was going over the numbers, and it looks like uh, uh, they wanted Davis Mills to be the passer until they got into scoring range because Davis Mills did not throw a single pass inside the Dallas 40-yard line. Everything inside the Dallas 40 – was either Jeff Driscoll passing or Jeff Driscoll running or handing off to a running back. So uh, interesting pattern there, and uh, it almost worked. It didn't always work because they had a first and goal at the end where a touchdown would have iced the uh, iced the game, and uh, they went four straight handoffs to Damian Pierce and did not score a touchdown. That allowed the Cowboys to come back and win. So uh, we'll get, by the way, to uh, 
more of this, some more coaching stuff. But this is why we hate the field goal to go up six points that Texas, the Houston did not kick here. Because we now, in hindsight, we can say for sure if the Texans had kicked a field goal on fourth and goal there, they still would have lost yep. because the Cowboys did come back and get a touchdown and uh, get seven points and, and, and take the lead. So, uh, yeah, that, that that detail. But essentially what Houston did was, was run like crazy. And he also benefited from a very, very sloppy day from that Prescott and the Cowboys. There was a muffed punt uh, the Cowboys had that Houston recovered. Prescott yeah, threw a Prescott threw a pair of interceptions, a brutal one that gave Houston that first and goal late that almost cost him the game. And right before the very play right before that, he also had a really bad fumble. He was lucky the Cowboys recovered. So at times it appeared he was actually trying to throw this game away, but Houston refused to accept it. And finally he said, okay, fine, I'll just win it then. And he did. So there you go. Uh, A sloppy day from Dallas and almost lost to the worst team in the league. Yeah, Jeff Driscoll looking like a, a little bit like Taysom Hill out there, like you said, maybe right. utilizing that way some passing, some rushing. Didn't didn't have any targets, I don't believe, uh, but used in that manner. And then that fourth down you talked about, that was actually uh, one of our the top decisions of the week. It came in just outside the top five in our best fourth down fourth down decisions to go for it. Uh, it was a three point six percent difference in win probability. They were in the mid sixties at that point, mid to low sixties. Uh, 65 and a half by going for it. So a good decision, as, as you mentioned and outlined, the reason uh, why it's not always smart or very rarely uh, smart, if ever, uh, to go to make a three-score lead into a six-score lead or six-point lead. Three, yeah. Sorry, a three-point lead into a six-point lead. Three-score lead, you almost get – you pretty much got it at the end of the game. But you want that yeah, yeah. <laughs> To a six-point lead, it, it comes in again at sixth on the week. So a really good decision there by Levy Smith to choose to go for it. Texans almost did it, but again, Dallas, just a better team there, was able to, to pull it out late. Now, another really good defense, and they've been really good all year long, it seems like, is the New York Jets. Football Outsiders, we projected the Jets to be a top-10 defense heading into the season, and they are. They're sixth heading into Week 15. Is this a typical Robert Sala defense? Has he changed things up in New York, or is it more just a matter of all the talent on that side of the ball, particularly a certain rookie cornerback? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was looking over some Jet stats, and they're they're just kind of good at everything. They're they're not number one or two in very much, but they're six or seven rate in just about everything. Uh, the one area where uh, they do sign is they're the number four defense in DVOA against top wide receivers in the other team, and uh, that's the kind of thing where you point to uh, the other you know the Jets top cornerback, which is I, I I love this guy's name Sauce Sauce Gardner. <laughs> Brings uh, yeah, it's it, it's a tremendous nickname. Um, your your favorite right now, I think, for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, he only has two interceptions, which is not a ton, but he leads the NFL in, in passes defense, so he's breaking up a lot of passes. And uh, his cover stats, a pro football reference, are, are tremendous. Only fifty two percent completion rate allowed, less than five yards allowed per throw, only one touchdown allowed all year. So he's probably the biggest reason. Uh, they're playing so well against, well, against wide receiver one specifically and against the pass in general. Now, the weird thing here, and this is a, a, a mystery that I don't, have the, I don't have the time to explain today. I'd love to get into a deeper dive here and find out what's going on. They're actually the number one defense when the offense throws to the left, but that's not where Gardner usually lines up. He he's usually lines up in the offense's right. So I have to go through, you know, do some film study and, and, and stat right down to see because he's not giving up completions to the right. So I don't know who is. Maybe they're throwing underneath or the linebackers or uh, something very strange there. But regardless, the, the Jets are just like a well-rounded unit with no obvious weaknesses. 
whose number one strength is shutting down opposing wide receiver ones. Yeah, and uh, Mike White has lifted them offensively for the most part uh, to being better than they were with Zach Wilson. And then Ahmad Sauce Gardner, you mentioned. And I remember there were a lot of questions coming out of college or a lot of people at, you know, he was very good, but he played at Cincinnati, I believe. Like he hadn't really played any top-level receivers come in. And, you know, people he was still have very highly regarded and highly rated. But I do remember hearing a lot of those questions of if he could, could translate that to the NFL. <laughs> he definitely has at least for one year. Uh, but those other cornerbacks, as you mentioned, the rest of the team, uh, no slouches. The one thing a little concerning now for them, uh, Quentin Williams is injured. I'm not sure how serious it is. I haven't uh, seen anything there, but still a good enough team where they can can still stay in games with their defense. And if Mike White is is not injured as well and is able to play, uh, they've got a, a big one this weekend as well. So a lot of fun uh, in New York those Jets are having, especially on the defensive side with Sauce Gardner. And now – it's we've come to the end of the fantasy football season, though. I know it's in the fantasy football show, but we do have some fantasy news for you. And if your season long fantasy teams miss the playoffs, fear not. You can play on underdog fantasy with us still and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code outsiders. Play their battle royale, which is a fast six round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win the traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win 50 grand if you grab first place. Or try their pick'em games. You can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. And that's even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. It's basically prop betting uh, or parlaying prop bets, and you can do that even if you can't do traditional prop betting. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code Outsiders now to double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. And that takes us into the final segment of our show every week. We look forward to the weekend's matchups instead of looking backwards. And Vince, which matchup are you most looking forward to here in week 15? We've got some Saturday football this week now that college football is over, uh, at least until bowl season. So we've reached the point in the year where a lot of these games don't matter uh, <laughs> or, or, or matter less than they used to. We, yep. we, we, do, we, we know uh, the favorites in the, for the Super Bowl. We know uh, most of the teams that are not going to the playoffs at all. And it's kind of the, the 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 middle third that's sort of fighting each other for playoff positioning here. So I'm going to go off grid a little bit. A uh, team we have not talked about talked about much this year in the Jacksonville Jaguars, and a team we have talked about a lot, and including today the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it's Cowboys at Jacksonville. Uh, we just talked about how the Cowboys struggled last week with a AFC South team that is much worse, <laughs> much worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars have been this season. Uh, Derek Klassen had a piece up on Film Room this week, footballoutsiders.com, talking about Trevor Lawrence. He's been on fire lately. Uh, last five games, he has thrown for 10 touchdowns, run for one more without throwing a single interception. Uh, Cowboys are going into this at four-point favorites. And it's interesting because if you look at this, if you look at the standings, they have much less to play for than Jacksonville does. Uh, we've got Dallas, Dallas with almost a 90% chance of being the five seed in our playoff odds. Mm -hmm. They're probably not going to catch Philadelphia for the uh, NFC East, but the Giants or Washington or Seattle or whoever, none of them are likely to catch Dallas for that top wildcard spot. They're almost certainly going to be the top wildcard seed and head to whoever wins the NFC South, which will probably be Tampa Bay, mm -hmm. uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And the, 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 what, what happens over the next month between now and then, it barely matters. So they've got this to play for. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, we've got them still with a 13% chance of making the playoffs. So, so definitely a long shot, but not a zero shot. Uh, they've been playing better than the record most of the year. So they've got, got a lot to play for. And uh, they just handled Tennessee pretty easily 
And they have another game on the slate with the Titans down the road. So they still have a lot to play for. And uh, I just think it's going to be an interesting matchup just to see how Dallas responds after playing, getting a really, really bad, maybe the worst win a team has had all year. Um, If you look at how close it was in the the opposition, Uh, how do they respond to that? Now having to go on the road and play another team whose record is not, uh, not very impressive, but uh, the film and the stats say they're better than when the last record is. So, uh, that, that, that's my most interesting game uh, going into week 15. Yep, and Dallas, you mentioned struggling last week as we talked about. They were at home for that one too, and now they go over to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars, who you said are much better after in one year, in year one without Urban Meyer after just were less than a year there. So my addition, addition by subtraction is what we're seeing. Absolutely, here, folks. we've talked about them a lot this year uh, on our various shows throughout the year. Uh, so definitely a good one down there in Jacksonville, in Duval County. Mine, I had a couple on here because I wasn't sure uh, which direction you were going. Uh, so I'll talk about both of them just briefly. But Lions-Jets, one that I was just talking about, the Jets have a, have a big one there. Uh, maybe not a big one for playoff position. you got AFC, NFC. Um, don't really have an impact on each other that way. Both still, though, fighting for wild card spots. The, the Lions not out of it yet. The, they can still have a chance to win the North, uh, that win over Minnesota. But I want to see that. Jets defense against this Lions offense that's seventh in DVOA on the year over their last five weeks. They're four and one in their fifth in DVOA over those last five games. Really looking good with Jared Goff out there. The pass offense is fifth so far. So I'm excited to see how they do if they're able to be, you know, that one team that can can get past the sauce gardener and and the rest of that defense and put up some points, or if it's just another notch on the the belt for that Jets defense to shut down. Another another really good offense this year. And then I the big one. Don't really have to explain it too much. Dolphins, Bills, a huge one there in the AFC East. Uh, Dolphins, as we talked about, trying to get that offense going. The Bills uh, trying to, to lock up the division there. So a really big one up in Buffalo. Going to be a lot of fun this week. I mentioned three games on Saturday. We still have a game on Thursday. And then Sunday games and Monday night. So looking forward to some really good football. December football is always fun too, especially as we get close to uh, Christmas coming up. In just, what, a week and a half now, it seems like. Going to be a lot of fun. So that does it for our show this week. Before we go, don't forget about that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. And again, you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting or sports betting isn't available. They'll match your deposit up to $100. Don't forget to sign up for FO Plus, as Vince mentioned earlier. You can do that at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, and articles like Vince mentioned. You can add free experience. You also get access to all of that data on Monday instead of having to wait until Tuesday. That's, so get access to that stuff early. And then last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game beginning this Thursday night with the Thursday night football game, Sunday throughout the day, and then the Monday night football game as well. Vince, thanks for joining me, everyone out there watching. Thanks for watching along, and we'll catch you next week.